Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in history, in 1960, France detonated its first atomic bomb in the Sahara Desert. I feel like it's like baby's first weapon of mass destruction. Yay, France. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am once again your sea dog of a Captain Zachary, and I'm only here for the doubloon, boys. Sorry to break it to you. My name is Megan, and I just realized that I unwittingly made a very appropriate today in history that matches up with my story perfectly, so I'm I'm less of a podcaster and more of a wizard. Fuck ye. <laughs> and I'm Matt. Today I learned that my co-worker's great-grandfather was the person who invented the Flat Earth Society. Wait, what? what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so, full disclosure. Excuse me? Full disclosure, I found this out last Tuesday, which is normally, oops, which is normally when we record, um, and it was too good for me to not uh, use so I learned it last week, but I'm I'm telling you now. Uh, he had, like, he was one of the first people that, like, thought of what a flat earth would look like. And then he was like, yeah, that seems right. So he, like, drew it on a napkin, I guess. Yeah, all the greatest ideas on a napkin. Of, like... Hey, I write some good shit on a napkin. Of, like, the Zach, world. Zach, this isn't about you, all right? You didn't <laughs> found a, the Flat Earth Society. And uh, so I was talking to my coworker, and I was like, so how does this make you feel about uh, this member of your family? And she's like, you know, it's really inspiring. What? Um, she is like, it's really inspiring to know that he was such, like, a thinker. She's like, I think it's interesting that he, you know, took time to really think about the world around him and i was like i need uh-huh, him to uh-huh. think less and she goes it's a shame that he was a fucking idiot but like yeah there we go <laughs> she's okay. like but it's cool that he was thinking about it i that's that to me is peak comedy right there of being it like, was it was the best that, yeah, that's real that is very good comedy i was gonna i was like really worried when you were selling this because i was like oh my god she's gonna be like i'm really proud of my grandpa like it would have been really got it amazing right. if she had said something to like the effect of like he yeah, was he, my grandpa's him. not wrong <laughs> no my grandpa's never been more right about the shape of the world <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, he's I would have lost he's my always mind. Been right about the shape he's, of the world. Yeah, he's always been right. He's, <laughs> he's never, never been not more been right. right. Um, Dude, I would have lost my absolute mind if I heard that. Like, I, I started to, to lose my mind a bit, and then I realized that my coworker is a sane and rational person. At least some member of her family is. So. Thank fuck. Um, <laughs> it wasn't her grandpa though. No. Uh, all right, kids. We've set our strikes back to zero, and we've played an imaginary game of rock, paper, scissors, 
And the order for tonight is me, then Zach, then Megan. So, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and light this fuse. Tonight, I'm politely waiting for you. No, like, it fucks me up because you guys talk so much. (laughs) And then when I say, like, I'm going to go... I don't hear any, like, words that say, and sometimes my Discord fucks up and just, like, dies on me when I'm not looking at it the right way. Sorry so sometimes I just fucking get... polite, Matt. No, know, it's, it's fine. Like... I'm just it's... fucking with you. I'm Is just it? so scared that I'm going to lose everything. <laughs> um, but tonight I'm continuing my little series inside a series, um, Wonderfully Weird Women of History. Uh, and this week it's a story about twins. And twins. And twins. Um, Namely, I'm talking about June and Jennifer Gibbons, who are otherwise known as the silent twins that I will get in. I, I will get into the reasons why they're called that. Um, I bet you they didn't talk a lot. That's why they're Can called that. Can you imagine that. if he didn't get into it, though? He was just like, All right, Imagine I if I just not... skipped over the entire reason that they're famous. <laughs> yeah, we'll not be talking about I that I will anyway. not be mentioning it. Will not be um, addressing that. They did crimes. Yay! <laughs> Anyways, yay! Yeah, my story is over now. Please discuss. Um, I do want to say that this story is a little weird, and I, upon first reading, thought it might be weird enough to do a Halloween story about it. Okay. But then, but then I decided that I kind of wanted to talk about it now. So fuck you. I uh, no no no. Um, I love this. I love creepy. You know me. It's not, so the weird thing is, like, it's not super creepy, but, like, it's strange. So it's not like one of them ends up, like, with her head twisting 360 degrees around her. Like, it's not spooky. It's just kind of, it's weird. Okay, but anything that could be Halloween-related, even on, not on Halloween, I'm all for. Cool. Um, what'd you say, Megan? I was like, if if the head's not twisting around, do I even want to hear the story? Like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point, and I guess you'll just have to let me know if it was worth it. Uh, let me work it. Let me hang down, flip it, and reverse it. Um, <laughs> in the end, I guess. It doesn't uh, even so matter. So the twins... <laughs> we just uh, fused Missy Elliott and Linkin Park, so that was nice. <laughs> Um, the twins were born in 1963 in Yemen on a military in a military hospital in the town of Aden. Um, according to reports, there was nothing unusual about their births. Okay, that's always how it starts. But t- well, not in the case of the Jersey Devil. His birth was pretty fucking weird. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. I'm just like sitting here blinking like, ah yes. Uh why yes, the birth of a little literal antichrist. Um <laughs> so the parents, their parents started to notice differences in the girls uh when they hit an age where other children had begun speaking. They noticed that their girls did not Um, their father even noted that they didn't speak readily while they were at home. Um, these twins are broken and we demand a refund at the hospital. Yeah, please get me a new pair. Get me a new pair. I don't just want Do they just need new batteries or what's going on here? Yeah. These, these twins have a defect in their, uh, voice box. 
Are twins different from normal babies? Is it like, <laughs> is it like, do they need D batteries or are we still looking at the double A's? Are we looking at nine? You know what? I bet you it's a nine volt. We swap it out for a nine volt. <laughs> um, so the parents noticed that the girls would make like sounds with each other. But when it came to actually speaking, um, they would not speak to people and uh, refused to go anywhere without the other. So, like, if ever dad was trying to do, like, a girl's day out with, like, one of the girls, the other one insisted on coming and the other one would not leave without the other one uh, showing up. Yeah. So okay, I'm starting to get some creepy vibes. Like Siamese twins, but definitely not that attached. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck. So when I uh, when I first heard about this story, I had read that the sisters made up their own language. Okay. Um, but what my further my further research uh, told me that the family originally came from Barbados and had moved to England, which is where um, the kids were being raised. And so uh, people think that um, they were speaking, their parents think that they were speaking a sped up version of Bahan Creole. Oh, interesting. Makes sense. Um, So essentially they took a language that they knew and just sped it up to like make no sense. Um, because every so often people could understand some of their words, uh, but as they grew older, their language, uh, developed from what was somewhat recognizable as Bahan Creole to a completely unintelligible gibberish. Excellent. uh, (laughs) That people could not understand. Um, so as I mentioned, the girls spent a lot of time, uh, with each other and this, uh, habit started from a young age due to, uh, good old fashioned racism in the English school system when they were young. Um, so essentially they were the only two black students at an all white school, um, and so they got picked on and bullied a lot and so they were kind of each other's uh defense in that way um but them getting picked on frequently uh drew them closer together and further from everyone else and so they wouldn't go play with other kids on the playground they would just play uh with each other and they got bullied so severely that their teachers often let them leave school early so that they could avoid being picked on on their way home jeez um, I'm so they, glad that we in 2023 have truly just solved bullying. You we never have, hear about it anymore. We've also solved racism. We, yes, we have actually. I know I, that. I we, know this. We have that nice uh, clock that they have in downtown New York now that says it's been this many days since our last uh, race-related shooting. Um, Is it always at zero? And it's just—it's just always counting up because there's never a race-related shooting. Oh, okay. Because we solved racism, remember? No, that's no—that's really good to know. Good, we should pat ourselves on the back. We for sure should. 
Um, so the girls <laughs> really grew hell. in. <laughs> hey, if you guys even... are playing, if you guys are still playing bingo out there, uh, making fun of the fact that racism still exists should be on there. Should yeah, it? it? Should be on there. Should and, it? Well, I we, mean, it we mention it. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. We should really have solved racism by now. <laughs> it's not um, that fucking hard. Don't it. be an asshole. <laughs> It's not that hard. Just so the asshole. girls really grew into the silent twins moniker in their teens when they flat out refused to communicate with any outsiders who would visit the home and even went so far as to not read or write while they were in school. Um, and the parents, their parents also reported that the girls started to mirror each other's behavior. Oh no! Um, so sort I was of like fine with them not speaking. But yeah, so sort of like thing. the the um, the shining twins. I was about to say. Like, so uh... we've we've we have actually graduated to the shining twins. Understood. We've crossed over into the shining. They've territory. truly crossed a line. Um, in 1974, a doctor named John Reese uh, had gone to vaccinate the girls. He was doing like a regular um, health checkup. And he noted that the girls had a doll-like demeanor because they did not react at all to being poked with the vaccine. Um, (laughs) And he also at that time suggested, because he watched some of their mirroring behavior, um, he suggested that the girls be seen by a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But it took three years... So in 1977, they finally landed on a speech therapist by the name of Anne Traharn. Okay. Um, and Anne had just as much trouble with them as everyone else in their life did because the girls, as always, refused to speak to her, but they did consent to having their conversations recorded when she was not in the room. Anne was like, damn, I thought it would be different with me. Yeah. So, um, one of the weird things that Anne mentioned, though, is she thought that June was being possessed by her sister. What? Because... Oh, how do you come to that conclusion? So, That's so a listen. wild accusation. No, it's definitely a jump, but listen, because she said that there were times when they were sitting in her office... And she would look at June, and June would look like she had something to say, but, like, her mouth would hang open, and Jennifer would just be sitting there staring at her. And so she was, she said it gave her this vibe that she was being mentally compelled by Jennifer to not say anything. Okay. Which is, it's just, it was the weirdest thing reading this as research, but okay, um, at so a certain point, yeah. Hear me out, though. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that that's Care a wild it. thing to say. Yeah. But then again, you got ghosts in your blood, do cocaine about it. Do cocaine about it. I think in my unprofessional opinion, it just sounds like one of them was terribly abusive to the other, and while the second one wanted to say things, the other one was like, no, you're playing my game, and yeah. that's, there's nothing more you can do about it. So, at a certain point, the doctors think, oh, you know what might help these girls that spend every waking moment with each other? Um, 
separating them. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna yeah, we're gonna send cut one, the ties. We're gonna send one upriver, uh, so oh. to speak. Um, so they did. They took June out of the house, um, and moved her to a boarding school. Um, I can't remember what town it was in. Uh, and both girls at that point became catatonic. Holy oh, no. shit. Um, literally like June, uh, in my research, I, they detailed a time when June, it required two people to get her out of bed. Um, and once they got her out of bed, they literally just stood her against the wall and she just stayed there like a plank. Um, all okay, day. Great. Okay. Great. Uh, when they realized that the experiment had failed, they reunited the girls, and this just solidified their bond even more. But the girls, as a result of this, ended up not speaking to their parents. Um, They're like betrayers. Yeah. <laughs> and so they would just go to their rooms and they would talk to each other. Um,. So, Whis- as I mentioned... Whisper amongst themselves. Just whisper amongst themselves. So, this is one of the weird things. And, um... June has talked about it. But Oh, she can talk now? So, listen. Slight spoiler. But June, uh... June talked about it. Um... And... Uh, she said that when they would go into their rooms, they would just sit and pray to God, um, asking for their parents' forgiveness because they were being so insular and being so isolated. Uh, they would ask uh, for forgiveness for, like, just a bunch of things. But they would go in their rooms and they would just pray uh, in their little secret language. Um, but... Uh, as the girls grew up and hit their teen years, they began to experiment with drugs. Um, I did not dive too deeply into which drugs uh, they were doing, but one of the gifts that they were given one year uh, were diaries. And so when they were in their rooms, they were just writing notes and they, um, in their diaries often wrote short stories about crimes, even going so far as to have one of their works uh, published, which was about a, um, I think it was about a high school student in Malibu that got seduced by his teacher. What? Um, They're like, (laughs) okay. They're like, they're writing like pretty little liars. Yeah, dude. (laughs) But, uh, at a certain point they stopped, uh, oh no, I mentioned that already. They stopped communicating with their family. Um, but after writing and detailing so many crimes in their diaries, they decided to graduate to the real thing in 1981. Oh, Um, we could write about crimes or we could do crimes. The, the girls were arrested for committing arson. Oh, they did big crimes. (laughs) Big crimes. they... They were sent to a hospital for the criminally insane. Um, The name of the hospital was Broadmoor Hospital, and they were sent there for 12 years until it was arranged for them to be transferred to a lower security mental institution. Um, So this is where the story gets just a little stranger. Okay. Because 
As if it wasn't strange enough. <laughs> As I mentioned, so June has spoken about it, and um, she has said things to the effect of, like, her and her sister, while they were at Broadmoor, because of the treatment that they suffered while they were there, made efforts consciously to talk to other people. So they went up to, like, the doctor and had, like, a conversation with him together. They were like, look, you wanted us to talk to other people, so we're talking to other people. And Your the person, other people. The person that they were talking to was basically just like, sucks to be you, you're here for life. Um, but they were there for 12 years until it was arranged for them to be sent to a lower security uh, institution in Wales. Okay. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, but... On the way to this, uh, on the way to this institution, Jennifer dozes off in the back of the car, and then upon arrival, is unresponsive. Oh, um, wow. She's then taken to a uh, hospital where it, she's pronounced dead of a sudden heart inflammation at the age of twenty-nine. Okay. So what makes it weird is that she, you know, had this this sudden inflammation of the heart that uh, nobody could have predicted. But almost immediately after Jennifer's death, June started talking to people as if she'd been doing it her whole life. So like, it really was Jennifer. So <laughs> it truly was Jennifer. That psychologist had it right the whole time. So. The the parts of this story that are strange, yeah, are strange because of the things that June has said about them to people who have asked. Now there is a documentary about this. It's on um, YouTube. I think it's called "The Silent Twins Without My Shadow." I didn't watch the whole thing. But you can hear June talking in it, and she does have a bit of a speech impediment. So there's a chance that, like, her as a child and her sister as children were just being misunderstood because they didn't have speech therapy. And because of the abuse that they were suffering at school, they just talked to each other because they could understand each other's speech impediment. Okay. I mean, um, that makes more sense than... It sure does. But... So the interesting thing, and one of the things that I read uh, about them, is that they would wake up sometimes, and they would feel like they were the other sister. Which is the strangest thing to read about, and I didn't quite understand it, uh, except that like on those days when that would happen, they would stand in front of each other, and they would say, give me me back, and I'll give you you back. Which makes literally no sense at all. Yeah. But they but they both thought, like on these days, they both thought that they had swapped bodies and they were in the other's body. And so they would just have these conversations where it's like, okay, I need to be me again. You need to be you. So let's like swap back. Um, the other thing that's interesting, and again, I, I was uh, reading this while I was doing a little bit more. Uh, research while they were at Broadmoor Hospital, there was a reporter who 
found their story and essentially made the girls famous. And while she was having like a conversation with the girls, um, Jennifer, the one that uh, passed away, um, before they left Broadmoor, she was having a conversation with this reporter and mm-hmm. she was saying uh, that both of them weren't going to make it. She was like, we we talked it over and we decided that we're, we're not both going to make it and that I'm the one that's going to go. So what? essentially... What are you talking about? Es- essentially, um, what the reporter thought that that meant is that they had had a conversation that for one of them to live a normal life, the other one had to die. And so they think that there's some like... Aside from the fact that there was no uh, toxins and there was, like, no verifiable reason for her death. Yeah. um, They think that it might have been on purpose in some way. Because she felt, Jennifer felt that she, being alive, would lead to her sister and her being imprisoned in mental institutions for the rest of their lives. That's fucking wild. So like this whole but, story is crazy. Yeah. Like, so it's it's just a whole like weird and creepy story. Um, and then June was I think uh, was quoted as saying that she knew she wouldn't be able to have a normal life if Jennifer had lived. I think. Oh my god. So like she was she was obviously broken up about the fact that her sister had died but then like 6 days later was living like a normal life basically and uh continues to do so I think to this day I didn't look it up but I mean she uh, is I mean June conceivably Gibbons should still alive. Uh June thought that Jennifer chose to die to free her twin. Um, just the whole idea of being like, yep, nope, you're free now because I'm dead. There's, it's fucked in like ways that I don't, it's, that you don't fully understand, right? Cause like, yeah. I don't know what it's like to be a twin. I was going to say like, I, I, I knew some people that I grew up with that were twins. Um, and they definitely like. There's a lot of things to be said about, like, people who are, like, yeah, no, like, you're twins. You kind of are, like, very in tune with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you know, there's something to be said about that. And the people that I knew that were twins growing up always, like, would try to trick people into being, like, you know, thinking they were each other. The other one. The other one. But it's, like, that's a silly prank thing. That's not, oh, my God. No, they, like, they... They woke up and they had conversations about like I need my body back. Yeah. You. <laughs> and but the fact and what was kind of weird about that is that like they weren't communicating with other people, so it's not like they're trying to fucking parent trap anybody. Yeah. They're literally just waking up and going like, "Bro, you got my body on today." What the fuck? You got my body. On. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that like so my for those who you don't know, my sisters are twins. Yeah. I'm glad that my sisters didn't pull that stuff because I would have been like, I don't like horror movies. And <laughs> be like, I, I gotta kill one of you right fucking yeah, now. Like, one of you has listen, to go right fucking now. One, one of you of gotta you, go. 
we gotta solve. I would have gone up to my parents, be like, "Listen, we gotta I solve this problem. Pick your favorite right now. You have five seconds. <laughs> you have five seconds, or I'm gonna do something about it. And I'm ten. Um, <laughs> to to answer the question still on everybody's mind, June Gibbons is still alive, and she is living in Wales. Interesting. So, what's in as long? But yeah, so like. And I was I was looking at that documentary. Uh, it's like an hour long on YouTube. Um, if you want to hear June Gibbons talk, and all the comments were like, "Everyone describes this story as so creepy, but it's really sad." And it is kind of sad because, I mean, it the reality sad. the reality of the situation is as I described it. Right? They they probably had speech impediments that only the two of them could understand. Yeah. Um, everyone bullying them at school probably made them not want to try speaking to people. Um, yeah. And then, you know, their parents separating them probably caused them to, like, as Megan like, said, se- treat it like a betrayal, and they were just like, okay, we're just gonna fucking... We're gonna like, go not now. not do it anymore, you know? Yeah. Like- we're just done now, guys. So, um, but yeah, that's my story about about these two wonderfully weird sisters of history. Wonderfully weird is a way to put it. Yeah, Definitely no, a way to put it. <laughs> Definitely words to say. <laughs> words said and a thing. <laughs> words were definitely no. said. I, I agree, though. I think it's sad, but it's also creepy as shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean, I, I would be interested Mr. to, like, Grinch. watch a documentary to see, like, how she feels about it now. Yeah. Like, if it truly was freeing, right? Like, when her sister died, was she, like, was it overwhelming sadness? Or was it like, oh, thank God. Yeah. So, according to her statement, she was hysterical with grief. Okay. Uh, when her sister died, but, like days later had i guess not moved on but like had started acting normally damn yeah so like almost just... like she snapped out of it yeah like a yeah bit. like she had no other person to sort of feed off of so yeah she's like all right time to assimilate to society <laughs> i guess yeah. That's how I feel every day when I wake up. But like, but, <laughs> okay, time to fit in. Fuck. But but time. listening to her <laughs> speak, um, it was definitely there were some points in there where I was like, if I were having a conversation with this person, I probably wouldn't be able to understand some of, uh, some of the words that they were saying. Is it like lisped? Uh, so yeah, it's like, it's like a lisp, but it's also a mix of like. I think there's just a mix of, like, a Barbados accent with English that's just Uh, kind of tricky. Um, But anyways, that's my story. Okay. No, it's good. Thank you. Yeah, I I love it. It's... I don't... I do and I don't. It's it's (laughs) wonderfully weird. I do. I do and I don't. Um, Zach, do you have a mystery? For us, is your story a mystery? No, but it does start in Wales. Oh, okay, perfect. We're, There's we're the through line. There's the off. through line. Um, okay, well, you're going to be disappointed. So <laughs> 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 Let's get one thing straight. Uh, for my story this evening, I am going to be talking about a man. 
and a man that could be considered a gentleman in some circles and in others. Uh, are, are we back to gentleman crimesmen? Yes, because some circles a gentleman, some circles a downright a scoundrel. Which I think is the perfect way to consider. A heinous gentleman of history. Woo! That's true. Tonight, we once again dip our toes into the briny depths of the pirate's life for me. As most pirates are, well, technically bad, but they were also technically gentlemen thieves and government-sanctioned. Uh, gentlemen that's crimesmen. That's true. They were government-sanctioned. Government-sanctioned gentlemen crimesmen. And one government-sanctioned gentleman crimesman in particular, Sir Henry Morgan, was the best. Or Captain, one of the Morgan? Captain, Captain Morgan. Morgan. Tonight we will be talking about Captain Morgan. Absolutely. Oh, Yo ho ho. My God. Of rum. Yes, sir. Morgan. So for those of you who don't know, pirates are a lot of fun and I very much enjoy them. Um, and Captain Morgan is a very big, notorious pirate. But what's funny about Captain Morgan is the fact that there, like, there is stuff known about him in his piracy career, but, like, a lot of other stuff in his life is, like, huh? I don't know. Not much is actually... Like, very surprising? Very Well, not even very surprising, but, like, people don't fucking know any of it. Like, nothing oh, yeah. is known, for the most part, about Henry's early life, other than he was born in Wales in 1635. And he makes hella good rum. Like... Well, I that, guess. I, I guess. But, like... I don't know. I don't drink. Trying to trace back who his parents are, no one fucking knows. Well, well the only thing they do know is that he definitely had parents. He definitely had parents, and he was definitely born in Wales. Um, And somehow, in his life... Don't assume things about him. Yeah, people just assume now. <laughs> but he somehow makes his way down to the Caribbean, Um. And we can discuss the unethical colonization of those in all islands, but I want to talk about pirates right now. <laughs> I want to talk. We'll get to that later. I want to talk, about, talk pirates. about pirates. I want to talk about pirates. I can't go on another tangent. <laughs> but historians theorize that Morgan either came as part of an expedition against the Spanish in 1654, uh, or he served as an apprentice cutlery maker in exchange for the cost of moving. Or he traveled as a quote unquote private gentleman in 1655. Or was a job. he was abducted and sold as a servant. <laughs> oh, nice. okay. Well, there's a lot of different things that could have happened, I guess. I guess. Who doesn't love a fucking multiple choice backstory? Am I right? <laughs> Am I right, guys? It's like a choose-your-own-adventure, but with an actual <laughs> historical figure. Captain Morgan, the choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> choose your own adventure pirate yeah pretty much um but nonetheless he ends up becoming a privateer for the english while he's down in the caribbean and he serves under sir christopher mings uh and very quickly under sir mings he quickly gains the rank of captain and gets to captain his own ship so you know now officially captain morgan that fast what I wish I could get promoted that fast. Yeah, right? Well, all you gotta great. do is steal the captain's hat. Damn. You're right. Steal the captain's hat. You're right. And so he starts off his illustrious career as a privateer for the English crown while the English are fighting both the Spanish and the Dutch. So he's got quite a lot of work to do. 
and... Oh, the through line for us being Dutch boys before the podcast. I know. I this When we started doing it, it, I was like, oh my gosh, I guess we are... I got so many through lines. Oh, man. And my God. If you guys aren't subscribed to our Patreon, you're missing out because Zach and I did a really good bit about being little Dutch boys. Being little Dutch boys. Yeah, I wasn't. I was not a Dutch boy. <laughs> Megan, <laughs> Megan, Megan was, was not also, here for the bit. Megan was also strongly opposed to this particular yeah. bit because she did not want us to get Dutch fans. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I specifically said, man. I hate the Dutch and the fact that they haven't had an amazing economy since the 1600s, I guess. Uh, Megan right now is being Nigel Powers. <laughs> Austin Powers is dead. There's only two things I can't stand in this world. Two things I can't people stand. who are intolerant of other people's cultures and, and the, the Dutch. Dutch. Oh my god, I am him. Oh, man. We, right. found, we found me. I apologize for interrupting. It's fine. That's what we do on this podcast. Um, but the thing about being a privateer is in order to be a privateer for a government, you must get letters of mark. And I guess. No, that's the only way you can become a government sanctioned pi- privateer. Uh, after that, if you don't want to do it when you're government sanctioned, you're just a pirate. And yeah, a so, true pirate. A what? A true pirate. A true pirate. A true pirate doesn't ask permission. Absolutely not. That reminds me of my fucking favorite thing about... There was, like, a Disney show about young pirates, and it popped up with, like, a load screen fucking tooltip type shit, and it was just like, remember, kids, the best pirates always asked before taking... Oh, yeah, it was the little... Wasn't the little Einsteins? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Pirates ask... Before so they take funny. shit. Well, they didn't say shit because it's Disney. Because <laughs> it's a children's show. Yeah. They don't swear. Oh, my God. But Anyways, the thing, sorry. Yeah. The thing about Letters of Mark is they give you permission to sink and plunder other countries' ships in the name of the crown. Half the gold goes to the British government and half the gold goes to the privateer. Makes some sense, oh right? Yeah. I wish that's what I could do now. I wish I could go up to, like... Colleen Gary, my local representative, and be like, hey, I'd like to commit a crime. I'd like to commit crimes for money. And then she's like, oh, okay, let's go to the let's go to the library and get a notary to witness. The, we'll, to we'll give you the notary witness. You do crimes on our behalf and you give us half the money. Um, oh the British crown, the first mob. <laughs> the British crown, the first mob. But so... The thing about the letters of Mark is it's only for ships, mostly trade ships, being basically you're going to use privateers to disrupt your opposition's economy. And this yeah. means that land attacks are still technically illegal, as those are direct declarations of war and not just being a nuisance. Yeah, it's only it's only fun when it's on the water. It's only fun when it's water crimes. <laughs> look, look, yeah. baby, there's no laws on the ocean. <laughs> baby, there's nothing again. It's a little water sports, am I right? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> but anything gained if you did attack a port, would you didn't have to give half of that to the government. You didn't have to give oh. the money from attacking ports to the government because it was illegal. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, as I said, illegal. illegal, and you would never do anything illegal. That's true. Unless. <laughs> unless. I was waiting for it. See, the thing is, you could attack ports if there was direct evidence of a potential attack being plotted in the city that you're raiding. Mm. Mm. It's time to plant some documents, boys. <laughs> so, like a bad cop, <clears throat> some evidence just happened to be found in a lot of cities hey. that Morgan was around. It's the year of our Lord 2023. Bad we cops don't exist. We solved that problem. <laughs> yeah, we did. Just like racism. It's the year of our Lord 2023. You don't need to plant evidence to be a bad cop. You do a lot of other shitty things. Oh, yeah, you're right. You don't plant <laughs> evidence. You you just shoot. You just shoot an unarmed civilian. You don't need evidence. You just go in blasting. I told so you. anyways, I, I started was, blasting. Exactly. I, I, I was editing for the last episode, and I remembered that I said I was going to get feral this year. I'm just going to be pissed off about everything. Zach I'm still keeping that energy. Zach started in goblin mode. Absolutely. And he's just going. So Morgan made sure that there was plenty of evidence to back up the fact every time he decided, hey, I want to go raid a town. And he had a lot of notable raids, such as Puerto Principal in 19, not sorry, 19, in 1667, and Porto Bello in 1668. Good mushrooms. Absolutely. Uh, Delicious mushrooms. (laughs) I do love a good Porto (laughs) Bello. But I want to talk about what I think was his finest work, his piece de resistance. (laughs) His magnum opus. His magnum opus. The one that had a certain je ne sais quoi. About je ne sais quoi. It. No, French. <laughs> I want to talk about him sacking the city of Panama. Panama! Oh, That's all we can sing of that song. So in 1669, <laughs> noise. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Marina, the queen regent of Spain, says. Go fuck up English shipping in the Caribbean to every Spanish privateer. And so Spanish privateers start going around and blowing up English trading vessels. You know. All's fair. Caribbean shit. And, you know. In response. We've all seen Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> all right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, Piratis of the Caribbean. <laughs> Piratis of the Caribbean. The thing about Pirates of the Caribbean is it takes place, like, kind of after the gold... Or it's, like, during the golden age of piracy, like, after all the privateering bullshit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I can it's get my... It's when they all become, like, criminals. Actual criminals. Yeah, it's it's basically... If, I'm, if I have my timeline correct in the Pirates of the Caribbean lore, it's basically <laughs> after all the treaties have been signed and everyone who is a privateer is like, now what the fuck am I supposed to do? I got a ship yeah, and a like... bunch of crew that want gold. Yeah, it's like, dude, I had a career and you just ended the industry. You ended the industry. I'm just going to keep... It's time for the gig economy to come in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, DoorDash. It'll be there in about three weeks or as quickly as a pirate can get it to you. I ordered saffron roughly four months ago. Where is it? Look, I'm stuck in traffic. What do you want, Uh, my dude? Your order got canceled and had to be picked up by a different driver. (laughs) So, 
Spanish privateers start blowing up English trading vessels, and in response, good old Captain Morgan is told, and I quote, to do and perform all manner of exploits which may tend to the preservation and quiet of this island. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So basically, the man was given a blank check and told, go have some fun, and he fucking did. Amen, brother. So in December- If I was given a blank check and told to have some fun, uh, you can bet your sweet bippy. <laughs> Thank I, you. I would. So he's given so a blank I, I check. Can't blame, I can't blame him. Given a blank check. Told to go have fun. You bet your sweet bippy he did. Yeah. I don't like this word. <laughs> <laughs> you bet your sweet bippy I did. Fuck. No, no. The only way we could make it worse is if we made it a space clown, and that's what you did, and I hate it. No, that's the, it's from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. But I don't. Life has many doors, Ed boy, and you should get on with your story. <laughs> So in December, I will, in December of 1670, um, Morgan brings 30 ships and starts, well, just fucking going to town. Just It seems like overkill. You would say that, but for what he does, it's not really overkill. Because first he sees, uh, seizes uh, Providence, which is an, a set of islands, and Santa Catalina Islands, which are right next to each other. And then he takes Fort San Lorenzo, which basically, like, gives him this little outlet in the Caribbean to be like, well, if this doesn't go well, I have an easy retreat. So this doesn't go well. He basically seizes three island. islands yes, with 30 ships and then moves towards Panama City. And Wonderful. in January of 1671, Morgan and his crew of 30 ships finally make it to their forward camp and begin their attack on the city. Uh, Morgan sends in a 300-man party down a hill that is on the Spanish army's right flank. Now, I do want to note that, Megan, you said that 30 ships was overkill, but... This just seems like a lot. Well, the Spanish army sitting inside of Panama City is about uh, 1,200 infantrymen and 400 cavalry. I don't know how many men can fit on a ship. About 30. Wow. 
Maybe. Okay, we actually don't have a whole lot of men. I retract my statement. <laughs> so, Megan, 300 versus 1,600. Well, that whole movie, 300. <laughs> about, this so. is the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, it's like the same premise. Yeah. Right? Well, kind of, because... <laughs> <laughs> I know I said it was 300 to 1600, but it's okay, because as those 300 men kind of disappeared from the direct direct line of sight from the front lines of the Spanish infantry, they were like, oh, looks like these guys are giving up already because they saw our impressive numbers. Let's run after them and gun them down. And so the entire Spanish cavalry and most of the infantry run after Morgan's men who, as soon as they get over the hill, realize that the Spanish army has ran right into a firing line that's waiting on the other side. <laughs> because Morgan... That's how you get them. Morgan you basically always, just set up a bunch of guns and said, when they come over the hill, fucking shoot them. <laughs> surprise, motherfucker. surprise fire, like, firing line. That's, yeah. That's the real key to that. <laughs> Hit them with the no old one, surprise. No one ever expects the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> or a surprise firing line. It's true. It's true. If I've ever learned anything from the Spanish, it's that yell yell at people in a language they don't understand. Yeah. And have guns. Exactly. And so, much like cops. Jeez. <laughs> so, the Spanish army runs right into Morgan's men who fire upon them and just have a fucking time. And in an effort to then try and fuck up the privateers, the governor of Panama orders the release of two herds of oxen. As one so often does. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> hey, the running of the bulls is, you know, a thing. Why don't we just trample the opposition with, you know, bulls? Oh, okay. I thought, like, for some reason these, like, they were crime oxen crime and, like, oxen. they were being parted. <laughs> Gentlemen <laughs> crime oxen. Gentlemen crime oxen. No, I was like, what did they do? They he he's like, release the oxen. They'll run at the other guy, the opposition, and it'll take care of it. If we lose some oxen, that's better than losing a bunch of guys who have opposable thumbs and can fire a rifle. The problem with that is that uh, as soon as they release the oxen, there's a bunch of gunfire, and the oxen get spooked. All the all the oxen free. And I'd be scared the, when I hear gunfire. Yeah, uh, the oxen immediately start trampling over all of their handlers and the remaining Spanish army. <laughs> yes. At the end of the battle, after the Spanish rout back into the, Pan- the central Panama City, uh, the Spanish army lost 500 men and Morgan lost 15. Wow. See, he, like, knows how to fight. He knows how to fucking fight. And it was like the movie 300. He like, exactly. He read Sun Tzu's Art of War. <laughs> he definitely did. And yeah. he was just like, be where your enemy isn't. Yeah. In, in, <laughs> I mean, the first line of Sun Tzu's Art of War is, surprise, motherfucker. I, that no, is canonically. Uh, and then, you know, it's weird because I haven't read um, Sun Tzu since... Uh, my military history class in high school, but I do recall a passage that was like, 
Um, if your enemy has an oxen, you are made in the shade, my guy. <laughs> you are made <laughs> you in the are shade. Made in the shade. Like literally, Sun Tzu, just like yo, they've got oxen. Just shoot a bullet and spook them. <laughs> just fucking fire a rifle into the air, and you're good to go. But the governor of Panama, in a petty act of revenge, basically says, "If I can't have my city, no one can." And proceeds to light a bunch of explosives and set the pa- city of Panama on fire as he flees. And Listen. Panama burns for a day and a half straight. Yes! I would rather see my house on the ground yeah. than given to my enemies, alright? No, fair enough. And and it is stated that like after the city finally stops burning, there's basically a bunch of stones left. And that is it. Wow. Just and, like Pompeii. Yeah. Right? That volcano said the same thing. If I can't have the city, no one can. No one can. <laughs> now, this already is a wild time, and I'm here for it. I love it. Burn, baby, burn. Disco Inferno. <laughs> but. But it's really the aftermath of Panama burning that is the best fucking part. <laughs> because. What? what, what? <laughs> it's quiet. Because. As you can imagine, the Spanish are kind of pissed that Panama's now ashes. Yeah, classic. And they're what aren't they pissed about? Well, they're even more pissed because what Morgan didn't know as he starts to sack Panama is that a few days before the siege begins, the Spanish and the English sign the Treaty of Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oh god, I love it so much. <laughs> so the Spanish get word that the treaty signed. Everything's hunky dory. What's this? Our main port is nothing but ash. Well, this is a fucking declaration of war. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, amazing. God. The best part is this is also one of the first times you get to see the lovely phrase "international incident" being in a historical document. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all right. It truly was international. It truly was an incident. <laughs> Exactly. It was an absolute incident. Absolutely international. You know, we don't get cool international incidents like this anymore. Now they're more like, oh, shit. Now it's just a nuclear option. That's a nuke. Yeah, it's not oopsie, someone burned down a city. Someone did war crimes on accident. On accident. Like, I can run from a regular fire. Yeah. I can't run from a radiation fire. I can't run from chemical burns. Yeah, dude, like, but, man, the old people really took all the good they stuff. They took all the good shit. <laughs> so the Spanish are pissed, and they're basically like, hey, you want a war, England? We'll fucking start a war, or you fix this problem. And so in order to appease the Spanish and not start a war, Morgan is arrested and brought back to London in April of 1672. Where... One would expect some consequences for his actions, as, again, the Spanish are pissed. No. No But they just gave him a slap on the wrist. No, even better. They gave him a slap on the ass and said, good job, guy. Even better. Yes, they give him a slap on the ass and say, good job, guy, because there's no trial. He never gets... He doesn't have any charges against him, so there's no need to be acquitted. He's lauded as a hero. he makes a rum company. No, he gets a knighthood. Hell yeah! <laughs> the Hell king's yeah, like, you know what? I, I I know I arrested you, but like, can I knight you instead? Like that? Okay. Hey, 
You did a real good job <laughs> on destroying that thing. I'm really actually. It's like it's like when your dad is like angry at quote unquote angry at you because you did something dumb that your mom told you not to do and he really like slips you a hundred dollars and is like good yeah job. <laughs> just fist bumps you when mom just fist bumps you when yeah exactly that's exactly what happened the english Gives government a big was old like wink the, yeah the english government's giving a wink and a head nod yes excellent as he their english government's like Morgan, you bad, bad man. You can't do those things. No, awful. No, you're <laughs> grounded for a week. Gee, there's a PlayStation in your room. <laughs> there's a PlayStation in your room, Captain Morgan. Go back to your quarters and go check it out, slugger. Yeah, so instead of actually having any consequences to burning down Panama, or at least being the reason that Panama did eventually burn, he is... Not even given a slap on the wrist. He's told, good job, buddy, and given a knighthood. And then later becomes the governor of Jamaica and gets a bunch of money on plantations and, and dies a rich a man. And makes a rum company. Never makes a rum company. <laughs> Never once makes a rum company. Damn it. <laughs> but yes, that is the story of Captain Morgan leading to the burning of Panama. Amazing. Confirmed this is amazing. No rum. Hey, where's all the rum gone? <laughs> where's all the rum gone? Not invented yet. All right, man. Rum was definitely invented. No, rum was is a relatively new thing, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was uh it was invented after we eradicated racism. <laughs> That's true. Dude, I told the coldest joke to James the other day. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, tell us what the coldest joke you told to James was, and then we really have to get on to your story. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you this joke really quick. I was saying how Japanese uses a lot of borrowed words, you know, from English. Yeah. Like, cake is keki. Yeah. And he was like, what? So they didn't have the modern concept of cake before they met English? And I was like, James, the modern concept of cake hit Japan when we hit Japan with two atomic bombs. <laughs> That was the coldest joke I've ever told oh in my, my whole God. life. Fuck. I hate it. Um, Speaking of atomic bombs, let me tell you my story. Yeah, please do. Uh, my story is called Won't You Be My Atomic Baby. Okay. Um, so as at least two of you know, the two of you here, I went on a one-day magical trip to Las Vegas where I spent 10 hours running around a haunted supermarket um and if you're li- interested in that we can no it was not menards, <laughs> not menards. Uh, i can tell you more about menards later it-, it was a different haunted supermarket but uh those travels aside i think i've talked to you both about like the three months last year when i became really obsessed with atomic energy mm-hmm yeah, I think we've talked yeah. about it. Yeah. We, we've we definitely talked about it. So I was really obsessed with that. Like, I needed to know how it worked. Like, what God had, why God had given it to us. Like, I just <laughs> needed to know why radiation is, like, the equivalent of having ghosts in your blood that you cannot see. Or do or cocaine hear. about. Yeah. Yeah, like, you cannot do cocaine about radiation. Um so combining all of this information, uh, while I was running around the Las Vegas Strip yelling at cactuses and getting rained on in the desert, <laughs> I... <laughs> it sounds like you were on a bad peyote trip, but continue. A woman arrested for yelling at cactuses. 
Dude, it do you know how many days a year it rains in Las Vegas? No. 27. Wow. And I was there for three of them. <laughs> so, like, the, the odds, every time I walked past one of those round boy cacti, I was just like, drink up, boys. It's, like, it's gonna be a while before you see this kind, Is kind of Is it weird that again. I can totally picture Megan just walking up to a cactus alone, unbidden yeah. by, like, unbidden. anything, and as it's raining, just going, drink up? Boys, and then like <laughs> I did. going I and then like going to touch it and remembering it has sharks. I know it's it was so sad because they're so ball like, and I just love round objects. So anyway, so <laughs> I, I <laughs> as I was yelling at them, I decided midway through to look up the history of Las Vegas, and I discovered a the lovely yet horrifying reality of atomic tourism. Ah. Uh, yeah. So during the magical decade of the 1950s when McCarthyism was in full swing, and it was also the height of atomic research in the U.S., uh, we fucking loved watching shit blow up. And nothing makes a better explosion than a nuclear bomb. Uh, and the Las Vegas Strip just happens to be exactly 65 miles away from the Nevada test site. Which is the safest distance away from a nuke you can be. Well, it's like the six feet, you know, social distancing. Like, COVID, COVID approaches six feet and is like, hey. Yeah, hey. It, gets, it gets to 5'11". Hey. And it's just like, shit, he's just out of my reach. It's just out of my... It's like when your dad, like, can't reach the remote. It's, like, right out of... <laughs> out of reach and or he's like just like when can you hand me that ratty like, sister is like i'm not touching you <laughs> it's exactly like that um so 65 65 miles away from the nevada test site uh which which may sound like a, it's far enough away but oh, but it wasn't it's it definitely isn't far enough away from fallout that can travel hundreds yeah. of miles um also, it definitely wasn't considering you could see both the mushroom clouds and the flashes of the bombs going off. <laughs> yeah, like, but like, you know, did it pass the thumb test? You know what? You're right. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> like, uh, shit. Um, so it wasn't just like a few one-off detonations either. Uh, they, at, at the site... They let off bombs for, like, 40 years. Yeah. And the U.S. Department of Energy tested more than 1,000 nuclear devices in this area. Uh, so when those above-ground tests started in 1951 and that mushroom cloud was visible from the convenient location of right outside this fucking casino, the tourists started being like, holy shit, that's dope as fuck. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Las Vegas more often. Um, the city then capitalized on the interest that was being drummed up, and in true Las Vegas style, the ch the Chamber of Commerce of the city printed up calendars advertising the detonation times and the best places for watching. Uh, the best places being anywhere where the full, the full, like, light of God could just, like, hit you. You know, just <laughs> unobstructed across the desert. The light of God. <laughs> the light of God. 
Wake yeah, up light at of 11 God. o'clock at night to the light of God. Yeah, so they advertise the detonation times. They put out a calendar. They put out a newsletter. Um, casinos made sure to mention that they had windows facing north, which was the direction of the test site. And they offered atomic cocktails, <laughs> which oh, were yeah. like drinks just like named after, I don't know, fucking uranium. Uh, and then... <laughs> Baby Adam Bomb. <laughs> and then they also had Dawn Bomb parties. Oh, no. Um, which they just, like, party at night and wait for the bombs to go <laughs> off. And then women entered into beauty contests vying to be crowned Miss Atomic Energy. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it was really cute. It was really, like, the most American thing. Oh, yeah. This just, that, this like, just oozes Americanness. <laughs> Yeah, like, what's more American than, like, nuclear bombs and also beauty pageants in a casino? This exudes hot dog sweat and freedom screams. Oh, God, it's so true. So, the bombs were declared one of the best things to happen to Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) So, the mobs and bombs, that's all Vegas has going for it. I get it. I love it. Yeah. Like, literally, the Chamber of Commerce was just like, I don't know where we would have been without the bombs. Look at all this money that's coming in. Look at all this bomb um, money. This, all this good bomb money. Man, I wish I could make bomb money, but then I would have to be, like, an arms dealer. Yeah, right. You'd have to be a bombsman. In all a bombsman, <laughs> a bombsman, it's true. In all fairness, this is a country that loves to get drunk and blow shit up at least once a year. And that's small potatoes compared to a fucking atomic bomb. So I can see why this is appealing to the most of America. It's so true. I'm pretty sure they let off and you guys, I don't think you guys told me this. I think someone else told me this, but they let off a nuclear device underground um, and they used high speed cameras to like see what the explosion would look like, right? Because there was a manhole cover over, like, the the bomb site. Okay. And in exactly one frame of the high-speed camera, they catch the manhole cover flying off into fucking orbit. Because it is going so fast. Okay, but I kind of want to see that. (laughs) I know I just said that it's awful that we love this stuff, but I kind of want to see it. Dude, it's, it's like, the fastest it's like a manhole cover. episode of uh, Mythbusters. <laughs> a yeah, shitty it is one. Really shitty. That's a bigger explosion I mean, than them a, boys would ever do. One. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but that sounds it's like, like an that amazing. one episode where they accidentally shot a house with a cannonball. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that, except change the can. Can the cannonball is a manhole cover, and, and they were the shooting propulsion the is is a nuclear device taking it to the moon. Uh, it take it to the moon. So obviously, this whole era is a strange time for the world as well as Las Vegas. Uh, this this was all happening only a few years after dropping of the bombs on Japan and after they discovered the modern concept of cake. Um, and we were also like discovering the I pervasive. Lied. There is no cake. <laughs> there is no cake. Um, we were kind of like dealing with the pervasive dread of what radiation could do. Like there was a lot of talk of the apocalypse, like that was a daily topic of conversation and people were just like plain scared, but they also were really fascinated as well. So this kind of explains why they flocked to see the clouds. 
uh, because they were, number one, like, absolutely spectacular. Like, the mushroom clouds went, like, a thousand feet up. Yeah. Um, Like, they absolutely, like, just bloomed into the sky. And they were also trying to figure out, like, if they should be frightened. Yeah. And if I learned, like, anything from reading about radiation is, like, I get the feeling of wanting to understand something that, like, evades every sense. And it was like this party at the end of the world continued, like, at a safe distance. Because, like, in a casino, it kind of feels like you're not watching something that's truly happening, right? Yeah. Like, you're, you're safe. You're behind, like, glass. Unless you're, like, those freaks that are out in the middle of the desert being like, wow! Well, I was going to say, uh, like, it's- <laughs> casinos already have, like, this land of the lotus eater feel to them. Like, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, add a nuclear bomb in there. Why not? Yeah, like, why not? And like, it, I guess, like, if I knew I was going to be completely safe and someone's just like, come to the casino at midnight and like, you're going to watch the sun come up at like, at, you know, 1 a.m., right? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Uh, so. This kind of continued in Vegas until 1963 when the limited test ban treaty ended all above-ground nuclear trials following the Cuban Missile Crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So fear about atomic energy ended up dwindling because it wasn't so much in the news anymore, and it was out of sight and out of mind, and the Las Vegas atomic cash cow finally breathed its last. But we have pictures to remember it by, Um, so I was looking up some of the pictures and like, you have people crowding around on the desert sands as like a little puff of like cloud comes over the, the mountains, which is weird. Um, or like neighborhoods are lit up by like this giant flash. Send those pics in the fucking discord. Yeah. I'll find, I'll find the pictures. Um, you also have like another one of like a soldier watching just a few miles from like the site itself. And it feels like this other world, right? Like a video game that ended up being real life. And I think that's why I was really... Yeah, it was like exactly like Fallout. Yeah. It's so surreal to see these pictures. And like you have what you call like downwinders. Uh, so like those are the people where the Fallout actually did the like go over their neighborhoods. The people who just to breathe in radiation. They absolutely loved it. Without their consent, they were all about it. Um, so that that was my story. I thought it was really interesting. That's I. So I love that you bring this like niche content that none of us would have <laughs> known about. Because I can't imagine that I would have ever, you know, yeah, heard of radiation tourism had it not been for your trip to the desert. Yeah, my trip to the desert. That <laughs> well, so uh, if you guys haven't heard our listeners, the, uh, the Media Mash podcast, but like our our friend James had us on last week, and he was like, "Well, what inspires you?" And I'm like, kind of the places that I go. Like, yeah, I just like I'm like, oh, why, like. Why is this a thing? And then I end up down like a rabbit hole for a really long time. Um, yeah. And this was. And then this she was just ends up holes. in Las Vegas yelling at cactuses. Yeah, that's true. I do just end up. I was. I was screaming at them. I was just like, <laughs> fucking raining, boys. Drink it. Drink it up. 
God, I just want to drink out of a cactus. Drink it! Do it. Chop a cactus wow, in half and drink it. I, I just want to find one. I think I would feel bad. I think I, like, identify a lot with, ca- like, cacti, you know? Sure. I also... I uh don't know what the fuck you're talking about (laughs) i I just i would feel bad like they they're already out here struggling a lot and like imagine i would i would be mad if someone with a knife cut off one of my arms and started drinking my water okay so uh it's been real good um (laughs) talking to you guys on this podcast today yeah (laughs) Uh, I, I would like to end this, uh, I'd like to end this podcast as we always do with a question. uh, Hold on. Hold your horses. Look, I was really just trying to avoid a conversation about someone chopping Megan's arm off and drinking the juices. You know what? That's fair. That is, that is absolutely fair. If you have some shit you want to say, go off, sis. I do have some shit I want to say. Wonderful. Um, Valid (laughs) 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 Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> trying. Oh gosh. Uh you just being so angry. <laughs> I just like I just Why does anyone like, want to talk about this? <laughs> why does anyone want to talk about this? Uh, like this is just the stuff that is this is on loop all the time in my in head. Her brain. Just, like, this this is what it's like inside my brain. Megan's brain. Yeah, I just, like, if I could hug a cactus, I would. Okay, okay. so, Zach, tell me your stuff. So, what I was going to say is we, uh, first off, give, give a little shout-out to some of our new people that we have here on oh. Patreon. Because, Patreon. hey, some new Patreon people have arrived. So They're here. Yeah. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to bring up the, the new people on Patreon that we have. Um, I'm so excited. I'm super excited. I'm such a slut for this segment. <laughs> this so, is the first time we've done this segment. What do you mean? No, we we, we, we always say thank, thanks to the people. Have we thanked Patreon subscribers? Yeah, yeah. with the first people that popped Where on. Where have you been? Oh, yeah. shit. We now, have, we, we now have the Snack Queen Faith who's on there. Um, hey. And we also... Snack Queen. What? <laughs> queen? Yas Snack Queen. Um, Alana... Also has joined us on Patreon, which is Yuck, fantastic. Snack. Um, if um, you would like to join us on Patreon, where you and can you and fucking you better, you better. Uh, well, you don't have to. We just really okay. Look, it. yeah, no, I'm. De- I want to apologize. That's <laughs> it was a little aggressive. at all. If it sounded aggressive, uh, it was it meant was. to be, but in like a joking sense. I certainly, if you don't have the money to support us, don't feel bad about it. Yeah, it's fine. But we if you do you have the money to support us, the $3, the $5, or the $10, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Productions, or just look up the Triumvirate Productions on Patreon, and you'll find us there. And if you subscribe to our $5 level, you get bonus content like What the Fuck After Dark, where you get to hear all the crazy stuff we talk about and do before the episodes air. And And as we mentioned, this episode has us doing impressions of Dutch people. Exactly. So if that sounds like something you want to hear. It does. Sounds like something you want. Also, uh, Zach and I had each other muted at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, it was a great wacky time. That'll be fun for us to figure out. Yeah, and our $10 level features that as well as show notes and some other fun goodies. Uh, And if you don't, as Matt said, if you don't have the money to support us, 
you know, we money love you anyways. We love and appreciate you anyways. But you can also follow us on our other socials uh, on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can find us on Facebook. Or if you all really want to be cool, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. You know, we kind of like it when we get to read things that say, hey, these people are fun. You should uh, listen to them more. It also helps us, like, kind of move up the charts so we get a little bit more recognition. So, again, if you don't have money, you can just leave us a review and it still helps us out. Leave us a review. But now, Matt, now that I have blathered on for that amount of time and asked people not only for money, but just for for love and attention. You know, side (laughs) note, there's a picture of Kirby on Pinterest that has him, his whole mouth is over a watermelon. That could be me with a cactus. We cannot. (laughs) We cannot. Oh, my God. Um, I just kind of want to tack on to the end of Zach's thing. It really also does help us out if you share us with your friends um so the reviews are nice but share us with other people that will then review us so that we can just grow yeah, um as a, yeah, a hoe for validation uh yeah okay <laughs> it's also also a hoe for round things apparently okay i just like really like <laughs> for round spiky <laughs> things um I okay just... so i will end this podcast as uh we have for all of our episodes aside from at least one um and i will ask the the question that is on all of our minds what the fuck history Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.